Welcome to the Claim the Stage podcast. I'm Angela Lucier, your host. I'm also uh, an award-winning speaker and an author and a trainer. And I'm the founder of The Speaking School for Women, which reopens its doors on September 26th. Mark your calendar. If you are thinking about becoming a paid speaker, this is the course for you. It took me about 10 years to become, well, it took me five years to become a speaker who could actually present something on stage in a way that people could understand. And then for the next five years, I built my speaking business and I'm going to teach you everything I have learned. And I do that in six weeks instead of five years, which is great. And my students in the spring absolutely love the class. If you go to my website, AngelaLucier.us, and click on Speaking School, you will see their comments and you'll learn what you get out of the six weeks. It's all about determining your niche, your brand, figuring out where the heck you market yourself and how you become known as a speaker. You figure out how much you're supposed to charge so people take you seriously and how to become a booked in-demand speaker. It's it's an awesome course. And if it's on your mind, I would highly recommend signing up. It's only open to 20 students, a ton of individual attention and it's a great time. It's, it's a lot of fun. If you like this podcast, I think you'll like the class because I'm pretty much the same way in there. I'm just kind of goofy and have all kinds of things to say. <laughs> so hopefully you'll join us and make sure you get on my newsletter list so that you can get updates on that. If you go to my website, there's a place to sign up in the turquoise bar on the homepage. Today's interview, today's episode is one of the most fun times I've had in a while. I interview Kathy McNally. Kathy is a trainer. She teaches people how to speak and how to give better presentations. And she also has a long history of comedy and improv. So in this episode, she and I do two improv games, which I hope you will steal and play with your friends. And I had such a good time. She, It's all on the spot, just so you know, we did not plan any of that. And it's great. If you're ready to laugh and you want to have a good time, definitely check out this episode because we actually go pretty deep into how important humor is in a presentation and how to do it in a way that's comfortable and unique to you, you and your personality. So you're not trying to be weird up there, but actually just be yourself and make the audience laugh. So without further ado, my interview and some games with Kathy McNally. On today's podcast, I'd like to welcome Kathy McNally. Kathy McNally of McNally Communications is a trainer, coach, and speaker who helps people say it better, whether it is a talk, proposal, or presentation. Kathy works with entrepreneurs, corporate leaders, and nonprofit staff to help them be powerful com communicators in writing, speaking, and presenting. Kathy helps people pitch products and services, persuade staff to work for a common goal, or inspire followers for a cause. Kathy also taught business writing at the Boston University Questrom School of Management. In addition to all that serious stuff, Kathy also has a long background in stand-up comedy and improv comedy and frequently offers interactive keynotes using improv comedy. She also helps speakers and trainers integrate more humor and fun into their presentations. Kathy was founder of The Village Idiots, a Western Massachusetts-based improv group 
for over 10 years and taught improv to people at colleges, the workplace, and in the community. She also writes comedy sketches, humorous essays, and satire. In her work, she loves to combine her sense of humor and comedy skill to make her workshops and talks engaging, memorable, and fun. And I thought when I, I came across Kathy, um, on LinkedIn and I saw her profile and the first thing I said out loud, I think I freaked out my cats. I said, why don't I know her? So I'm very happy to have Kathy on the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you, Angela. It's great to be with you. <laughs> um, so one of the questions I'm asked all the time by speakers and, and aspiring speakers is how do I be funny on stage? And I think they recognize that if you can build that, that comfort level and that humor and that connection through, through humor, you have a more successful presentation. So I'm very happy to have you here today because this is a topic that comes up all the time. Um, can you tell us a little bit about like, your background in being funny? Were you always funny? Is that a skill you taught yourself? That's a really good question, and I'm not sure if being funny is a skill or a talent. I, I know that people can make themselves funnier than they are. So when I was a kid, my brother and I used to put on little shows after dinner, as many kids did, I think, you know, entertaining our parents, and that was such a satisfying experience to have my parents laugh and things always weren't so you know our family was not like a sitcom it wasn't always so happy so that was a really great experience in fact when we were kids and we had a good joke we said something witty or funny my my mother used to say very good Catherine very very good <laughs> <laughs> and I think I really you know, heard that and took it in deeply and probably, you know, unconsciously worked at it. So I did enjoy being funny as a kid. I wasn't a crazy classroom clown, but I, I did enjoy, you know, making people laugh. It was one of my most satisfying things. And when did you decide to take it to the stage or, or get on stage and, and try and make people laugh? Well, it was a sort of just... Uh, unusual circumstance. I worked at a, an organization. It was a school and every year the school had sort of a comedy show in which people made fun of, basically made fun of the school in a loving way. And I started to do things there. So I started to write sketches and sing songs and imitate people. And it was pretty popular and it was super fun to do. I remember just being up on stage and saying, Oh, this is what I really love to do. I love to say things and then have people laugh at them. And that can happen regularly. Although that was an awesome audience who was totally with me. Not all audiences are like that. So I started to do it in a, in a volunteer way with a really easy audience. And from that, I took an improv class and that put me on this really big improv uh, path. So I did a ton of improv, and but I was also doing some stand-up too over the years, stand-up comedy. Mm -hmm. Do you think all speakers should learn improv or learn stand-up comedy just so that they can build the skill set into their presentations? I think it's a great idea, Angela. I mean, I suppose if you're if your topic is really serious, like planning your funeral or something. <laughs> 
you might not do it. But but actually, not to be funny, but just for skill, there's nothing better than improv. Um, and luckily, well, this is national, but wherever your your podcast is national. No, I should say your podcast is probably international, right? It's, I would say more like galaxy-wide. Galaxy-wide. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I know that improv is available on our planet quite loud. <laughs> I'm not sure about other galaxies. Uh, but improv classes are easy to find, and they are great. And stand-up classes, less so if unless you're in a big city. But, yes, those skills are really great. Some people are naturally, easily... Um, comfortable trying out humor, right? Other people are very nervous about it. So one of those classes can help. And one of the things I noticed is that if you Google around how to be funny on the internet, you find the most scary responses. Like so many articles say, whoa, 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 watch out. Don't try humor unless you're absolutely sure it works. Most people cannot be naturally funny. If you're not naturally funny, stay away from humor. It makes it sound so scary and bad. It's like you Googled, should I be naked in my talk? Like, <laughs> no, of course you shouldn't. But humor, I feel like there's so much bad advice out there, and it makes people so nervous. Yeah. Um, so I, th that's why I try to help people with that. But yes, classes are great because really to be funny on stage, you don't have to be naturally witty and you don't have to be naturally hilarious. You just have to be willing to try some stuff in a small way and you just have to be easy on yourself and be willing to explore. And and you have to have the willingness to try a lot of association. So, and we'll play with that a little bit later, I hope. But you have to be willing to fool around in your head and try out and explore different ideas and push your brain to think a little bit more imaginatively than you normally do. So, and that doesn't take any innate talent. It just takes a little bit of practice and encouragement. And both improv and stand-up will encourage you to do that but you can certainly do it on your own and I'd love to you know chat about some ways you can do things on your own too that's great and I think we're gonna we're gonna play a little game in a bit where we're gonna kind of show how to do this and then you're yep. gonna also offer a tip sheet to yep. listeners if they want to download something and practice at home and I think this actually seems like a fun game to do on the weekend like invite some friends over and just have a good time and you know just see what it feels like to try and, you know, say what, what comes to mind and yes. do people laugh. Yes, absolutely. So I'll share some, some games and, and um, uh, yeah, they're totally fun to do. And the, really the key element to do to think about how to be funny in your talk, and I'll give you more concrete tips, but the key element is to not get disappointed when you're not funny immediately. So people who, who say, I want to try to be funny. Oh, I'm not funny. Oh, I just said something and that wasn't funny. So I guess I'm not funny. It takes a little bit of priming of the pump, right? Of getting sort of warmed up. And so things like playing improv games lower the stakes. So you get to say, okay, I don't have to be a genius funny. What I'm really trying to do is um, just get myself warmed up. Mm -hmm. So along those lines, have you ever bombed on stage? 
Oh, yes, Angela, I have bombed, and I'll tell you about a terrible gig that happened about 12 or 13 years ago, and I tell people about this because it's important to know when you're trying to be funny that some stuff won't work and that it's always, life is kind of like a big petri dish, a big lab where you're trying things so that the next time you can do better. So this was the worst gig of my life. I was hired to do a woman's history dinner at a local, a college in New England, let's say. And the people brought me in and they said, we want you to be funny and be the MC and introduce different acts and sort of go up in between things and make jokes and you can talk make jokes about women's history etc they didn't give me that much description and so i thought it would be sort of a fun raucous kind of event but when i got there it was a very serious event in which people brought their grandparents and their parents and there was a lot of honoring of people and giving people awards and also the theme was domestic violence. So it was a very serious dinner, but I had no idea. And so the speaker said, okay, get up now, um, begin the evening. So that was the worst part because no one introduced me, which they should. So I got up and people were talking in their very serious way at their tables. And there were about 300 people there. And the... The first thing I said, which I thought was going to be hilarious, was, I am woman, hear me roar. And it was so bad. Everyone just looked at me like, what the hell are you talking about? And who are you? And I don't know, Angela, you, you remember that song, right, from Helen Reddy, mm -hmm. I am woman hear me roar well I thought it was just iconic and I thought wouldn't that be funny to say that at this woman's event well it totally wasn't funny and also the audience began to hate me uh, because I had interrupted them and they didn't know who I was so I began with my comedy and they were not laughing very much and I realized that it was a total mismatch of what I thought the gig was and what it was, and that they didn't really want comedy at all. But then part of me just kicked in and said, gosh darn it, I have all this material that I have worked so hard on, so I am gonna deliver it. And Angela, you know what I had to do? I had to deliver my comedy and they didn't laugh, and then I had to sit down while they had extremely serious awards and people made heartfelt speeches. And then I got up and I delivered my comedy, which they still hated. And I had to do that like four times. So I bombed over and over again. But I just had this feeling like, well, you know what? There's a lot of people here and I want to get this experience. And after I was done, the organizers did not even speak to me. Like they just handed me the check and they didn't want to make eye contact with me. <laughs> so what did you learn from that event? <laughs> well, I learned that, it, that bad stuff can make a really funny story, right? Because that's a very reassuring story because I got up on stage lots and lots of time after that, times after that, and had a fine time and got laughs. But I learned about matching what you say 
to what the audience needs. So I learned really more about not really listening to the first things that the organizers say, but really probing about what exact kind of event it is and what's needed. But also the biggest thing I guess I learned is, like I said, I can survive a bad gig. So yeah, and I've bombed other times in much smaller ways. And that's what happens. I mean, if you listen to a comic like Louis C.K. or other Amy Schumer, they'll tell you, you have to bomb so many times before you're good. But I don't think the same is true for speakers who want to be funny because they're not, their whole talk isn't based on humor. They're just throwing out little things. Mm -hmm. So stakes aren't as high. But I'd love to talk about ways to get funnier for people and way, places in their talks where we can add humor. Yeah, let's go there. Okay. All right. So if you want to add humor to your talk, I'm going to suggest a couple of steps. The first step is to make yourself sort of a student of humor and comedy. And by that, I mean, allow yourself to watch the stuff that you like to watch. Like if you like to watch Jimmy Fallon, then watch it. Watch him on YouTube, watch his best jokes or Conan or whoever you like to watch. It's so easy to access comics on YouTube and other ways at now. And watch more as a professional though. So maybe you want to watch once and laugh, but then watch and begin to notice what is funny and what are they doing. And that will make you much more aware. And you'll begin to notice that the things they're doing are very similar. Of course, their jokes are different, but they're always depending on certain things. One of those things is exaggeration. And one of those things is surprise. Surprise is huge. So once you begin to notice what's funny in comedy, commercials, and even if you Google um, the funniest TED Talks, if you just put that in, funniest TED Talks, you'll get a list of great TED Talks, some of which are hilarious and others of, you know, just use humor really well. You'll begin to get a sense, like what gets people laughs? What do audiences like? And again, you'll find it's surprise, exaggeration, sometimes metaphor, etc. So you become a little expert in how things are funny. The second thing to do is to start to notice what, what you say that gets laughs in your talk. Now, many people will say, I'm not funny, I don't get laughs. But if you look at your talks, you'll, if you have audio or video of your talks, you'll often notice that, yes, you do get laughs. They not, may not be huge laughs, but you do get some laughs. So you want to notice, what are you saying that's causing people to laugh? And basically, you want to do more of that and even tweak that so it's even sharper. So you become a little bit more aware of what causes laughs and both in other people and in you. Once you kind of know what's, what causes laughs, um, I, I want to suggest some places in your talk to add humor. And, and Angela, if you don't mind, I would love to suggest, I would love to talk about the way you, Angela, in some of your TED Talks use humor so beautifully and to give people the, um, the example of how humor can be used. Yeah, let's okay. do it. Okay. So a lot of times, it, well, in most talks, there's certain standard elements. There's the element of feeling frustrated. So we often have the pain element. If we're telling our own story 
or the story of other people who were in a bad situation who needed help. Uh, we generally have pictures of people ourselves feeling frustrated. We have, and I'll talk in a second about how you use these. We, had, we have pictures of people feeling inspired. Generally, many talks have a, a part where the speaker talks about how they change their life by doing something. And so in that inspiration is a place to use humor. Uh, in learning a lesson the hard way, so, and I'm going to talk specifically about what you have done, Angela. In fact, I think I'll talk about that right now. So many of you who have listened may have seen Angela's great TED Talks, and if you haven't, you should, because she does some really cool stuff. And I'm going to tell you how Angela talks about when she was... Well, I'm not, I'm not sure it was frustrated, but Angela, I really love the part when you in your talk, when you talked about leaving your job and you tell about how your boss said to you something really hilarious. You came to her and talked and did a really creative project. And she looked up at you and she said, we knew your creativity would be a problem when we hired you, which was really sad, but also kind of funny. And then told the story of what you did that next 18 months to get your company going. You started a company, you said, I think, within 90 minutes. It was a sort of a career development company, anti-resume, new career kind of development. Yep. But you, you did everything, right? You talk about how you went to every networking meeting. You, you served on every board. You just did tons of stuff. And you were exhausted. And then you say a very hilarious thing. You say, I was so exhausted, I began to wonder, do people retire at 30? So you were saying you wanted to retire at 30. That is a completely hilarious remark. <laughs> because instead of just saying, oh, I was so tired, I was exhausted, I got home every night and I slept, you made a really funny picture. And for those people who haven't seen you, nobody looks more vibrant or energetic than you. So to see you on stage looking so healthy and vibrant and knowing you're this powerhouse, uh, to hear that you wanted to retire at 30 is just a really great way of communicating it. You know, Gilda Radner, the famous comic from the early days of Saturday Night Live, said that, Comedy is truth only faster, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what you did. You gave people this sense of, I was burnt out, but you did it in a really fast way. So that was beautiful. So how, um, thank yeah, you ahead. for that. And so how do you go from painting a picture of being exhausted and, you know, falling on the couch every night when you get home to creating a joke like, do people retire at 30? Because I know that I didn't really go through a process to create that. I think it was just came out, but how would people make that leap? Right. So let's talk about some ways that you can play some games. Um, so we're going to talk about, we're going to, let's do a simpler one and then we'll, we'll go to a little bit harder one. This is an association game. And so this is just a warm up, all right? Okay. So we might play, and we're not going to be funny when we do this. We're just going to um, associate things together. So let's say 
uh, I was so tired. I, if I was a car, I would have been, and let's, you and I can just brainstorm. Like, I was so tired. If I was a car, I would have been up on blocks in my neighbor's yard, uh, in the shop, um, in the back of the used car lot. Uh, what else? Uh, do I have, wait, can I just clarify the game? Yeah. Um, yeah. Do I have to give... Uh, something about a car or can I say I was so tired I am going a different direction yeah you can go in a different direction too for some people um, it helps to just warm themselves up I think of a cup about a car but let's do it that way I was so tired I okay I, I was so tired if I was a stop sign I would have let people go <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> You're 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 way too hilarious. Right <laughs> <away>. <laughs> wow! And I want the audience to know we did not plan that at all. <laughs> so you definitely have to use that in your talk. And let's say that whatever jokes we come up with, anyone can use in their talk, right? Okay, yeah, totally open. This all right, all right let's do another one. Uh, let's do the picture of Angela going to every single um, event ever, being like super networker. I was such a super networker that I tried to give my business card to the corpse at a funeral. <laughs> I was such a super networker. I went to the animal shelter and networked with every animal in there. <laughs> I was such a super networker. I asked my grandma what she did for a living. <laughs> I was such a super networker. I went to the grocery store and made sure that the, the cashier came over that night so I could talk to her about every person she checked out that day. <laughs> Great, great. Uh, I was such a super networker. I was going through, you know, uh, and you would make like, I actually, my business card budget was like $10,000 that month. <laughs> so that's a really good example of how you get going. And you don't, you don't have to be funny right away. You just have to get pictures in your head. I'm going to tell you, let's play another game and this is a combination of two improv games called one is called Ox, Oscar moment and in the Oscar moment you play a scene and then someone off stage says Oscar moment but you really ham it up and I'm gonna compare I'm gonna combine that with another game that's called advance and color so in advance and color you uh, tell a story but if I say advance that means you tell more of the plot and if I say color it means that you give us more detail like you really picture us but I'm gonna add two things I'm gonna add exaggerate so when I say exaggerate you're gonna have to really exaggerate and then I'm gonna heighten it and say Oscar moment and you are gonna have to get really hammy and actory and do it and try to win an Oscar so are you up for this Angela I think so let me just make sure I understand okay, so if I you say advance that means I'm gonna take the story and keep keep developing the plot if you yes. say color I'm gonna exaggerate it and make it bigger or yes. And then if you say Oscar moment, then I have to really start acting. 
Well, you have to really be dramatic. So it's almost like super hyper exaggerate. You know, exaggerate, you don't have to get dramatic. You just want to exaggerate. But if I say Oscar moment, you have to embody. You have to get really dramatic in your telling. Okay. All right. You can do it. If you want to, you want to start it off with you I'm doing it, I'll give you the answers. Or do you want me to do it? Or um, Yeah, I'll, I'll start. Okay. All right. So you want to tell us a story? It could be a story related to what we're talking about with your work history or your business. Hmm. You start um, telling a story and I'll, I'll do it. Okay. I'm going to tell a story about the day I got my cat. I have two cats, right. but the day I got my first cat. So you just start. Okay. I used to be a volunteer at the Thomas J. O'Connor Animal Control Center in Springfield, Massachusetts, and I would walk the dogs every Saturday at the park. These dogs were so big and ferocious, and I knew that in order to get them to the park, I had to take them in my car with no safety harness and nothing shielding me and my life from them in the back seat. And every time I looked in my rearview mirror, Oscar moment. I knew that if I just didn't look in the rearview mirror, I would live because those <laughs> teeth were so ferocious and those <laughs> eyes were staring at me like, I will kill you if you look back here. Advance. And so I decided that I'm not going to get a dog because we just don't connect. But I did want to get a cat. So I went to the shelter. I looked at all the cats. I decided I was going to look at them all in the eye and see which one looked back at me. Exaggerate. This one cat had the most beautiful yellow eyes. It was like two sunsets staring back at me. And I knew that this connection with this animal was like the movie Avatar. The Oscar moment. <laughs> I got the cat in the car and you won't believe what happened next. It scratched itself out of the box and it crawled all the way up to the front seat and was hiding under my brake pedal. <gasps> double, Oscar, double Oscar moment. <laughs> Do you have any idea what it's like to be driving down the highway with a cat perched under your brake pedal? I sat there. And scene. Beautiful. Wow. <laughs> So what was that like? Of course, you're doing it on a podcast for a million listeners, Galaxy. But what was your experience like, Angela? It, it was it was really exciting. I was really freaked out that I wouldn't be able to transition that quickly, but it was really fun. I was so in the moment with it, just like trying to recall it while also trying to deliver it in a way that matched the need. So it, it made me. Um, it made me really think about what, what's interesting about this story and why would people care about it? And mm -hmm. I think that that's a really important thing to be thinking about. We're not just retelling stories on stage, but we're actually bringing our audience into it in a way that they would care about. Well, yes. And that's the other thing about being funny on stage is, and, and you did such an awesome job. You're obviously so game and so open. Um, <laughs> the thing about being funny on stage is really it involves a little vulnerability and audiences adore that right so when you said can you retire at 30 what you were saying was I was a little distressed like you were saying it, it was like it was hard for me and that was bad but you allowed us to share it with you and audiences love that 
as long as you're not in endless despair, you're saying, I had some vulnerability, but I'm okay now, but I'm going to share that with you, and audiences really like that. So you have to be willing to pick what are you going to uh, share with audiences. Yeah, and I think, like, if you could, and maybe you can add to this, and this is just something I've been thinking about lately, if you could draw a line on a piece of paper that resembles your talk, where the line follows the ups and downs of it, and like the high points and the low points, what should that look like in terms of joke telling and vulnerability and bringing your audience along with you? Should it be like, you know, a series of peaks and valleys? Should it be a slow build? And then release like do you have any thoughts on that because I think it is important to not keep telling sad story after sad story right so I think it is different and you have to look at the arc of each talk and where you want people to be uh, so I think you can have humor and you can show vulnerability but it doesn't have to be a sad you don't have to use the vulnerable story for everything that you you share. So I would say that the audience does need to feel that and they need to feel this very strongly that you are in control of what you are saying and that it's, and you're going to take care of them, but you're also going to show them some vulnerability. So I think it's, it's open about that, Angela, and you can use humor along the way. In fact, so I actually don't have a good answer to that. I think you you can have um, some vulnerability along the way is what is I guess what I'm saying. Okay. And we haven't talked much about physical comedy because I've yeah. seen speakers wear funny hats and use props, but how can we be funny in a physical way if we're not used to it? Yes, you don't have to. Some people do use props very well. If you sort of Google speakers, lots of them do use props. And I think if they do it, they can carry it off and it can work. But I think we can use our bodies in much simpler and hilarious ways. And I'm going to share with you some of those ways. The first way is just to use your voice and, and use pauses and uh, uh, adjust the speed of your voice. And you did it beautifully when you were doing your cat story. Uh, you adjusted your, your speed, your pacing, etc. So that can be funny. Facial expressions can be hilarious. And the audience loves facial expressions because audiences love faces. So people have a bias for always looking at faces. If you have images, you always want to have faces. So people love faces and they love facial expressions because facial expressions are a way of showing what we're feeling inside on the outside that's much more engaging than words. So if you were to say, so I'm going to picture your speech, Angela, uh, when, you're, when your boss says to you, we knew you would be, we knew your creativity would be a problem when we hired you. I think that one place to use some physical humor would be to, sh would be to pause and to show the audience a face that expressed like your what the heck are you saying or your discouragement and just let that stand for a minute have your face to the audience and show and i think audiences love that mm -hmm. An another thing that you can do that you kind of did but i think you might be able to do this even more is when we're we're using dialogue which is always so great to use in our 
talks when appropriate, so representing dialogue, which you did. You said, my boss called me in and she said, we knew this would be a problem when we hired you. Uh, you can do a little bit more with her voice. You don't have to make it sound or sound like a witch or anything like that, but you could add a little bit of emotion to her voice. Can you give us an example of that? Yes. Well, actually, I was fooling. I have been fooling around with that in this week. <laughs> so you could say, so she looks at me and she says, you could see she had a little sigh behind her voice. And she says, Angela, <laughs> oh, we knew this creativity was going to be a problem when we hired you. I mean, you could do it in a lot of different ways, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't want to make her look bad, but you do want to make heighten the drama mm -hmm. for the audience. Another thing you can do that's quite funny, and anybody can do this, is to, what the audience loves, another thing besides vulnerability, is seeing something different than they're hearing. So if you were, when people say, so I enthusiastically said yes to my boss when he asked me to take on this new project, and you're saying yes with your words, but you're shaking your head no. Audiences love that because you're, you're using your body and your face and your head to express something different than what you're saying. So what you're saying is, hey, here's a little glimpse of who I am. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, cool. So what are some ways to get started? Let's say I'm, I'm listening to the podcast. I'm thinking, how can I infuse funny into my talk? Should I start writing out some of my stories and underlining or looking for places where I could add humor? Yes, you might. So if you have, uh, you have areas where you're, where there's some emotion, any kind of emotion, it doesn't, or tension, it doesn't have to mean every part in the story when you were emotional, you had to have humor. But if there are parts where there's conflict or strain or struggle or effort, so in your parts, you had that that year of working really hard and that difficult conversation with your boss. Other times when you were, so when there was a struggle, so you might say, when were you tired? When were you struggling for money? When were you so excited um, to have opportunity? When were you really over eager or you overdid it? When were you nervous and shy about your business meeting? When were you confident? Any of those times that have any emotion or sometimes strain and conflict are areas for humor. And I would do the things I said, like notice what makes things funny, but then I would do this exaggeration and association game that we did. Like I was so tired that, and then I would make myself write 20 exaggerated things that I did. And I wouldn't expect to have a hilarious line come out of it, but I would expect that to get me thinking. And maybe one thing would lead to something else. So I would, I would make lots of lists about, I was so poor that year when I was starting my business that Thanksgiving was turkey flavored ramen noodles. Or <laughs> I was so excited my first time pitching my product, or I was so overly confident in my first business meeting that I made Donald Trump look modest. Uh, <laughs> you know, I sort of, I prepare those before, so. Uh, <laughs> but you want to say, you want to do that. I was so this that I this. 
And so after we make this list, then how do we test that out? What's the best way to kind of practice saying it out loud? Well, you would just, you can test it out with family and friends, but be careful because when you present, and this happens with my husband all the time, I'll say, listen to this bit for this, for this gig I'm doing. And I'll tell him and he'll be like, uh-huh, because he's not a really easy laugher, but, and he's also so worried, like, oh, I hope it's going to be really great. And it's one person as, assessing whether something is funny is just not reliable. Hmm. You have to really test it out with a group of people because laugh, laughter and humor is social, right? So we laugh when other people are laughing and we laugh in an audience to express our sympathy and our love for the speaker and our enjoyment being with each other. So I would just try out. I mean, it's not going to kill you if you say, I was so overly confident in my first business meeting that, and you, you know, if you say I made Donald Trump look modest, you're going to get a huge laugh and you can use that if you want, but um, <laughs> something that might not be funny and say, okay, I learned something about that. I learned that maybe that wasn't so funny and I'll try something else. So consider it, you know, you're going to give your talk, hopefully lots and lots of time. So you have lots of times to try something out. Mm -hmm. Actually, I've heard Louis C.K., Chris Rock, Jerry Seinfeld, people who are seasoned comedians say that they still go and test out material at comedy clubs. Yes. Because that's the only way to know whether or not it's funny. Yeah. And actually, my husband is very similar. Like, I, I'm often using him as a sounding board, and he just yes. makes me confused 95% of the time because yes. he just feels like, I don't, I don't even really know what you're talking about to begin with. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's probably not a good idea to do that. Also, if people feel like they have to assess whether something is funny, they're going to compare you to say, well, is this as funny as Louis C.K.? And of course, it's not going to be, and it's all in context. So I would try it out in actual talks in small ways. Excellent. So you have a tip sheet you've put together. Yeah. Yes, and this tip sheet will list the things we've talked about and simple steps to do. It will also list some resources, places on the, the web to go, uh, the, the TED Talks, way to look for TED Talks, and other people have written about how to be funny. There isn't a ton out there, um, but there is some good stuff uh, out there. And to encourage and to, and I'll offer some tips about how to practice and other stuff that we haven't talked about, like about what audiences like. Great. But I want to just say one more thing, Angela, and that is you may not really want to be too funny, but you can be more fun with an audience if your talk allows. So if you feel like, oh, I, funny is too high a bar for me, it's perfectly easy to have fun with an audience and to feel like you have, uh, you could bring them some pleasure without being, you know, without getting huge laughs. So if you want to take a baby step, you can say, okay, I want to have more fun with the audience. And I will give you some tips about that. That's a great point. And I want to add, you brought up Jimmy Fallon earlier. I love watching Jimmy Fallon. I don't think he's funny at all. I never laugh at him, but I love watching him because he's having so much fun. And I think that's important to keep in mind that if you look like you're having fun and you're smiling and maybe you're laughing, your audience is having a good time too. You don't have to be the funniest person in the world. No, absolutely. And it's probably more important to do that that you're talking about to have fun and to have it be 
obvious that you are really enjoying not just your speaking, but interacting with the audience, you know, having that sort of experience with them that comes through much more. That, that's a great, great point. Yeah. And there's no pressure to smile. There's no, no right. Right. <laughs> you know Right. Here's what you don't want to do, though. You don't want to ever say, I've got a funny story or this is hilarious. <laughs> okay, good to know. Let's go into our lightning round before we wrap up. Okay. I want to do my five quick questions with Kathy. Number yeah. one, what's the number one piece of advice you have for women who are speakers? Focus on the message and the value you have to communicate rather than how nervous or how you feel. And I know that sounds easy, but I think it really does work for people that I've, I've worked with in corporations and regular work world and life is to really think about what you have to say rather than how good or evaluate how you are. So focus on your message. Awesome. Number two, do you have a personal operating philosophy? And if so, what is it? Oh, golly. Uh, this is going to sound so shallow. Um, try to have fun and get laughs. <laughs> that sounds good. I'm so ashamed of that. But if I was completely honest, it, it would be that for me. Well, I think it makes sense given what you do. Yeah. <laughs> Number three, what advice would you give to your 25-year-old self? Oh, settle down and start doing something. <laughs> Well, actually, my 25-year-old self was a mom. You know, I had my first baby when, around that time. So, uh, yeah. So I, I do wish one regret I do have a little bit is that I didn't get into comedy earlier, given how much I, I love it. So, uh, but I guess, I, I guess the, the thing, the nugget below there is to say, figure out what you want to do then and really go for it but I'm pretty happy it worked out because I have two great kids now. Excellent. What advice do you have for your 95-year-old self? Uh, hey, 95-year-old self, just because Tony Robbins and uh, can drink all night with you doesn't mean you have to match them drink for drink. <laughs> and Richard Branson. Yeah, Richard Branson. <laughs> and um, number five, if you had to pick one object to represent yourself, what would you pick? I would pick a microphone, Angela. Hmm. And why? I love to speak to people and I love to have a microphone and I just really enjoy that relationship with, with people. It's not that I don't enjoy just talking to people, but I just really feel like I'm able to really communicate with people when I have a microphone. Mm-hmm. All right. And lastly, what does it mean to you to claim the stage? That is such a beautiful phrase. Uh, so claiming the stage means getting up on stage and feeling like you can be authentic, sort of be yourself up there and enjoy the experience with the audience. But of course, it also has that wonderful deeper meaning about, and especially for women, right, about being able to be heard and feel like you have something to say and you are going to take that space to say it yeah that's beautiful do you have anything you'd like to tell us about any upcoming events or offers well i hope that people will uh come to my website and read more about me and i'm at uh 
mcnallycommunications.com. Are you on any social media or should we just go right to your website? Yes, no, I am on LinkedIn where I post quite regularly. I write blog posts quite regularly, often about communication, but I'll be having a blog post about how to be funny very soon coming Yeah, up. you have a lot of great blog posts on LinkedIn. I think everyone should connect with, with Kathy because you have these smart, thoughtful, little tidbits of advice that just kind of give you something to think about. And especially for all the speakers out there who are trying to improve, that's a great little resource. And Kathy, I'm so glad I met you and I'm, I'm so glad I, I stalked you on LinkedIn because it's, 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 it's a pleasure knowing you and it's just really great to meet another woman who's getting up on stage, you know, claiming that stage and being funny on stage because I do think women are funny. I think women are sometimes afraid to be funny but I think we all have something to say that can can get a laugh and create that vulnerability and connection we just need to build the confidence to do it so thanks so much for coming on the show today oh it's such a pleasure it's great to talk to you Angela that is it I hope you enjoyed the interview Please don't forget to leave a review on iTunes if you loved what you heard. I really appreciate any support you can give as I get my podcast off the ground. And don't forget about speaking school. You can check out all the details on my website at AngelaLucier.us. And I now sign off with my motto, stop waiting, start creating. See you next time.